from a lot of families who are overwhelmed in the beginning with a 40-hour program and not knowing how to squeeze in a life and, uh, and if they should be trying to squeeze in a typical life while we're going through that early intensive behavioral intervention. So I wondered if you couldn't give us some, uh, some ideas, having seen so many families go through this, about how do you prioritize what things you do and what things you don't do, especially in the beginning of therapy? Right. I think the first thing, really, we have to collaborate. You know, I, I encourage all of the families to collaborate very closely with their supervisor. Their supervisor is going to know the program design. They're going to know what the, you know, what outcomes and, and what types of strategies we're using so that we can see the measurable, pro you know, progress that the child is making. And they can anticipate what types of things um, might occur if a vacation is coming up or if there's going to be an, uh, 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 you know, a holiday weekend or, or whatever it may be. He, obviously, each child is different, each program is different, and it's a case-by-case -case situation. But these, these are the types of communications that should be happening months in advance in preparation for any type of vacation or any type of time off um, from therapy. You know, early on, you had mentioned, you know, what, what about early on in, in early intervention? Um, I, I think that's extremely vital to make sure that, you know, the, the any time off is not too much, it's not too great. You know, we're looking at the consistency and the behavior momentum of, of the child's program. You know, a lot of different things that, you know, that are critical in those early stages. Um, by collaborating with the supervisor, we can do a lot of things, not only in preparation for it, but also prepare the families on how to work on behaviors, how to work on generalization of skills and the such while they are on vacation. I, I think that that's such great advice. And I, and I love that you said that you started the whole conversation with talking about the fact that it, 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 it really needs to be the conversation with the supervisor because no two cases are the same. It reminded me, and I had forgotten until just this moment, that when we were waiting to start therapy with CARD, we were sitting on the edge of our seats, waiting, waiting, waiting. We couldn't wait for therapy to start. But I was also panicking because my niece was getting married. And all I could think was, oh no, we're going to start therapy. And then a week later, I've, I've got to get on a plane for at least a couple of days to go to this wedding because there was no possibility that I could not go to this wedding. It was that kind of a wedding. It was so important to me and so sure. important to the whole family. But I was so worried about it. And I, I didn't want for Card to think that I wasn't serious about doing therapy, um, it, it was such, but I remember on the first day of therapy, it was gonna be a week away. So we were starting and a week later we were gonna leave. It was it ended up being for three and a half days. And, and I, rem I, I was so afraid that Card was either gonna say, well, you need to cancel and not go to that wedding or you can't work with us. Um, and then what was I going to do? Because I, I, I was going to be panicked. And at that point, I still didn't know how powerful the therapy is. I think now, looking back on it, if that had been the case, if Card had said that, if I had known what the therapy was going to do, I would have had to cancel the wedding. Um, my niece never would have gotten over it. But, you know, um, but that isn't what happened. They said, go, go to the wedding. Um, you know, you're going to miss these three days. We weren't missing a clinic. Um, and so it worked out, but 
I'm hearing from a lot of families that they think that they should be able to cancel therapy for all kinds of things that, you know, and, and clinics especially, that they're like, well, you know, I don't want to take my child out of school for a clinic. Um, you know, we've signed up for ballet classes and the ballet classes are during clinic. And it breaks my heart, Vince, because I feel like those families are missing the point a little bit. What, what can you say to us to help us to understand how we should be prioritizing? Right. It, it is a fine balance. I mean, we're talking a difference between family vacations, which I think are, you know, usually once or twice annually. And, and those are prepared and usually they're big events, you know, and things like that, that that take a lot of preparation. But when we start looking at the day to day stuff and that starts taking the place of ABA therapy, then we're not prioritizing ABA um, over ballet or horseback riding or tutoring or swim lessons and those types of things. And what happens is then all of the services that we're doing are getting watered down and we're oftentimes not able to meet the clinical recommendations for therapy. So, you know, again, like any medical practice, we're making a clinical recommendation, which is our professional recommendation of the amount of services that are necessary for the child to progress and meet the goals that have been set for them and agreed upon um, by all the, the education or the funding sources. And by going below that level, we're expecting and we should be anticipating less results, less progress, and less um, you know, effect with treatment, which is what, not what anybody wants. Um, the, what I always talk to families is ABA sets the foundation. It sets the floor for all other services or uh, you know, activities to be successful, right? So ABA lays the foundation for the child to learn how to behave in certain environments, be able to cope with their emotions, being able to understand different situations so that everything else may, you know, will be enhanced. So they'll be better at speech, they'll be better at ballet, they'll be because they can attend better, they can listen to directions, they can follow multiple step instructions, those types of things. But without that foundation, without being able to have that ability to build on that, all of these other activities are also going to be only partially successful and sometimes very frustrating for the child. Yeah, I, I thank you so much for bringing that up because as we're talking about priorities, it, it, it really is an interesting thing that I know being a parent that there were things that I wanted Jem to be able to do and I had this idea in my head of, you know, we're gonna play t-ball and the t-ball schedule, it was not doable in, in the year that I wanted him to do t-ball. It just wasn't. It, it would have meant not doing therapy uh, and not going to clinic. And so we chose therapy and clinics. And, and I remember in that moment feeling like it was something that we were saying goodbye to forever. When instead what happened was two years later when he was able to play Little League, he was able to play on a, 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 you know, it was a totally included team. Everybody else on the team was typical and he was able to enjoy himself. Sometimes we brought a therapist with us and that at that point was a good use of the therapy because the therapist was helping him with his interactions with the other team members. If we had taken him that first year, all he would have done was stood in the corner and spun in a circle and there would have been no social contact and we would have missed the therapy that actually got him ready for doing Little League two years later. Right. He wouldn't have had the skills or the abilities to yeah. be able to really enjoy, really experience, really, you know, uh, take in and participate in the in whatever activity. In, in Jim's case, you know, it's baseball. 
um, the way that we want them to, right? And I think sometimes we we press that as a priority before it's time, right? Before it's ready, you know, it's it's asking the child to run before they can walk. It's asking the child to talk or to you know to do a a, a presentation before they know how to talk. Those types of things, and I think it's it's a very similar paradigm where if we're asking the child to to perform, uh, learn, experience a, a, a task or an activity or an environment before they're ready, we're setting it up to you know to to not be successful and to not be enjoyable for the child the way we want it to be. So, what can parents do? Do your best therapist maneuver on us, Vince. When we're, in a, when we're at a crossroads and something's coming up and, and we're not knowing how to choose, is there like a decision tree that we can help ourselves to say, okay, well, I'm going to choose to do this now or I'm not going to choose to do this now and feel okay about that decision? Well, and it goes back to what I was saying in the beginning is, is, is that's a great conversation to have with your supervisor and go through the pros and cons. What are some of the sacrifices that would be, um, that are going to come up with whatever that decision is, if it's a vacation or is it, you know, an inclusion in a sport or is it maybe, um, you know, a change in, uh, you know, school placement, right? To sit down with the super, with your supervisor and not just in one meeting, but over a few, you know, different meetings discussing what are the advantages, what are the disadvantages so that at least it's an informed decision across the board and everyone is comfortable with whatever the the outcomes are going to be right if it if it's you know uh, uh, increasing therapy so that but yet we're going to look at including at a different time again addressing your point saying that it's not forever this isn't forever baseball is still going to be there dance is still going to be there let's get them ready for that and then we can you know we can introduce that to them or if it's something that is extremely important to the family now how to you know include them in that in in that environment it, at the level that they're at or at the level of understanding that they're at to try to make it as successful as possible even given the limitations of um, them possibly not having all the skills to be able to participate evenly so vince I, you know i'm one as we're talking about this i'm wondering you since you've seen so many families over the years going through this kind of intervention what kinds of qualities do you see in the families that get the most out of therapy? What do you see in them that would help the rest of us to know and, and to aspire to? The qualities of the families? Yeah. I, like, I think, yeah, it, it goes back to the openness and communication. I can't harp on that enough. Families that are, are willing to talk to the supervisors are really open with their plans, ideas, thoughts, sharing and collaborating on what the family's individual priorities are, and then the supervisor being able to present and discuss the clinical priorities. That is, is very beneficial because there's a lot of times where it's kind of that the, the mind reading game. Well, you should know that this is important to me or this is important to me because it's my culture or my family or, or my, you know, my, my uh, uh, you know, ambitions for my child, you know, those types of things where when we try to get into that mind reading game, there's going to be a lot of mistakes, a lot of misunderstandings. And, you know, the thing that's very frustrating for us as clinicians is when these decisions are made without our input at the last minute, right? Oh, by the way, June, starting June 14th, we're going um, on a month, two month uh, vacation. Okay. Right. <laughs> uh, no, we, we have no no lead into that. There's no, there's no decision-making tree. There's no discussion. There's no weighing the, the benefits and the, and the, 
you know, the cost of that. So, well, and, again, and maybe it would be worthwhile for us to just take a minute here to talk about if, if, we were forthcoming and gave our team, and that's really how we have to think of it as a team, if we gave our team that information in March and said, look, you know, I'll, I'll play the parent, you, you pay, play the supervisor, and I say to you, hey, we're thinking about going on this trip and going to Hawaii. What are some things that that conversation would entail that would help me as the parent and that would help my child? Well, first, how long is your trip? <laughs> and if I said, I'm, I'm going, you know, we're talking about going for 10 days, but I don't know if that's too long. Well, again, depending on the level of a child, I would, I would discuss, okay, so you want to go, okay, what are some of the things that you want to do there? What are some of the things that, that Jem would be interested in or what are some of the things that he could participate in? Because obviously, level of level of understanding is is going to be different. Right. So then we discuss that, and then we discuss okay. So his behaviors. How comfortable are you going to be to be managing his behavior solely without you know the the therapist being there forty hours a week or right. thirty hours a week? Do you feel comfortable with that? And we go back and forth. We set we would set behavior intervention plans. Make sure we got two months now, right, or three months. Make sure that you guys are really doing it at home, really feeling comfortable with it, so that when June comes and you're going to go to Hawaii, we've already worked together for two months, three months up till then, so that you're feeling confident in your skills. You feel confident with the goals that we're going to set just for that vacation to make sure that you know he he experiences some of the trip at his level and then this way you go and you you're leaving with a bag of tools a bag of you know uh, strategies on how to work with him there rather than going with a blank playbook and not knowing what to do and see that's really what i wanted them to hear vince is that when we when we as parents will let you guys in and think of you as a team that what we get back is that you help us to be prepared so that that not that you're sitting there saying don't go on that trip but that you find ways to get us ready for that trip that that's what that communication provides Absolutely. which is invaluable Absolutely. We, we, everybody, you know, promotes vacations and holidays and taking time off. I mean, there's no doubt about that. It's making sure that it's effective and it's not going to permanently alter or, or disrupt their, you know, their, their treatment plan. But a 10 day trip, something like that. Absolutely. With enough, with enough preparation, we can make sure that that trip is going to be as successful as possible, you know, at least within, within our, our, you know, capabilities. Um, so that the parents feel more confident, you feel more energized, you feel more um, confident as you go on that plane or on that train or in that car that this is going to be good. This is going to be great. Your anxieties go down, which means we're going to be better prepared and that's going to be a much more enjoyable trip than going into the trip very anxious and unprepared. Well, Vince, I've loved this conversation because I thought going into it that this was going to be about us setting our priorities and then sticking to them. And, and instead, what I walked away from this conversation with is that the number one priority is to communicate with our team. And I think that's a powerful, powerful thing.